gracious. Praise God. Uh, you know, the, the, the praise band makes fun of me. Um, they know they, they say when Brock's leg gets kicking and he's playing up there, watch out. He's getting blessed. And uh, boy, I, if I could just, uh, oh, wow, I had to stay glued to that thing, but I just felt like running this morning. Uh, praise the Lord. It's okay we get excited about Jesus in church. Amen. Yes, praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Um, before I get into the message, I do have just a one real quick thing. You're going to kind of laugh about this, but how many of you know what that is right there? That's uh, iPod, right? That's what they're called, iPods. Um, that is, well, I've lost mine, um, and so I need some help. Uh, we had it, I, I used it to play a song about a month, month and a half ago. It was back in the sound booth. So if anyone has seen that, I'm looking for it. It has all my songs and everything on it, so it was kind of laying around back there. We are not sure where it is, but if you know or have any idea, please let me know. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I know a busy morning, but God is here to meet with us. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10, going through verse 18. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I've recently heard a different translation, a different reading from the message, and I wanted to put that up on the screen and read it this way. It really puts a different twist on it, but it gets the same message across. And it says this, And that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we will walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, 
and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Isn't that a neat rendition? Translation. Brian, I need you to do me a favor. Can you mute this for one second, please? We're done. That's all I needed, I think. How many of you have had, you have or you have had a uh, brother or a sister that just pestered you to death? Let me see your hands. Do you have those in here? Wow, amazing. Everyone seems to have someone like that in their life. Uh, you can put your hands down now. Way too long. Okay. All right. <clears throat> uh, for my family, it was my oldest brother, Brent. Um, he is a jet engine mechanic for Delta Airlines. He lives down in Atlanta, Georgia. But Brent, he was always torturing us, always pestering us, um, always um, teasing us. Uh, we would oftentimes wrestle, but most of the time, I mean, I was the, that was the smaller one, and, and so it just didn't very, go too well for me. Um, I, but I remember one particular time, Brent, um, he, would, he would get us, get me and my sister, and uh, he would pin us down on our back, okay, and then he'd get on top of us, and he'd take my arms, and he'd pin them to the floor as well, and I couldn't move, I couldn't do anything. Now, I'm going to, um, some of you are probably identifying with this already, but uh, not to be gross, but I'm just going to tell you what he did, Okay. He would pin me down, I couldn't move, and he'd put his face over my face. And then he'd begin to allow just a little bit of spit to come out of his mouth. (laughs) And then what he would do is right at the last second, he would suck it back up so it wouldn't come out. Terrible, isn't it? Terrible. I'm scarred forever from that. Well, one particular time, though, he did not get his drool back up in time. Yes, and as a young kid, I about came unglued. I came, I came up with superhuman strength, and uh, I think he got in trouble for that. Uh, where's Parker at? He's around here. Do not get that idea and try that on your sister, by the way, okay? All right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> My brother could be the reason why I never really liked the sport of wrestling. All right? I, I uh, actually wrestled one year in high school. I tried it. But um, uh, some of you may have uh, wrestled and loved it, but with me, I just, um, you know, getting in there and grabbing legs and arms and necks and heads and backs and trying to take that person and flip them all over the place and them trying to do the same thing to you. And all at the same time, they're sweaty and yucky and just, uh, it just wasn't a sport for me. Just wasn't the sport for me, wrestling. <laughs> Last week we ended our series on War Room. You're wondering, where am I going with all this? Just hang in there with me for a second. We ended our series on War Room where we emphasized prayer. That when we enter into real, meaningful prayer, we are entering into war with the enemy. I told you that I would be transitioning into a series from 
war room uh, to one that's focusing on what we just read in Ephesians chapter 6 and putting on the whole armor of God. It's amazing how the Spirit of God just leads us from one to... I had no idea I was going to be going into this, but here we are, so we're going to go with it. So I'm entitling this message, This is War. This is War. You can keep your Bibles open to Ephesians 6. Verse 12, verse 12, the Apostle Paul uh, describes it like this. He says, for we do not wrestle, there's our word, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness and heavenly places. That is what we are wrestling against. The battle of our souls are for us to engage in because they are being engaged against us. This battle gives a whole, and that word gives a whole new meaning to that word, wrestle. The Greek translation for that word, wrestle, means this. Um, It denotes a, listen, a close hand-to-hand combat where our enemy is trying to pin us down. Whenever I read that, I thought about my brother pinning me down, and I had no way of getting up, no way of moving. And that's exactly what the enemy is trying to do to us. He's trying to pin you down. He's trying to pin me down so that we can't move, and he has his right where he wants us. Let me remind you that he is desperately trying to do that. He wants us to focus our minds on the physical world, When the real battle was taking place in the unseen world, the spiritual world, it's a battle of the soul oftentimes manifesting itself in strained or broken relationships. Do you realize that? How many times are our lives involved with strained or broken relationships around us? Satan is trying to use those things to pin us down. We need to begin asking God to open our eyes to this spiritual world around us, to help us see what we need to see in order to know what is taking place, in order how to address it. God, open our eyes. With that, I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. If you're not sure where that is, it's right after First Kings, so <laughs> Second Kings chapter six. <clears throat> Let me set this up while you're turning there. The king of Syria at this time is at war with Israel. Every tactical move and every ambush that the king of Syria is trying to place on Israel. God is revealing his move to Elijah, not Elijah, but his predecessor, Elisha. And as God reveals king of, the king of Syria's plans, Elijah is then going to Israel and he's telling them what the next move is. So Israel always seems to be one step ahead of the king of Syria. 
When the king of Syria finds this out, he's infuriated. He wants to know, how is this happening? There must be a traitor from within. Whenever he surrounds himself with all of his counselors and advisors, they say, it's no one within, your majesty, but we know that there is someone on the other side. His name is Elisha, and somehow he is finding out our plans, and he's telling the nation of Israel. So they're staying ahead of us. So the king of Syria, he goes after Elijah. And he finds Elijah and his servant in the city called Dothan. And he sends a large army and he surrounds the city of Dothan. Hence, he surrounds Elijah and his servant. And listen to what happens next. It will be on the screen. 2 Corinthians 6, starting with verse 15. Verse 15, if you're wanting to follow in your Bible. But on the screen, it says, When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Armenian army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. That is an an Israeli outpost. He was leading them to the enemy. Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes. And they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. Wow. Wow. Many of you who grew up in church remember hearing this story. What an awesome story this is. I I wish, uh, there are several scenes I wish I could go back. Who knows, maybe someday when we get to uh, be in heaven, God will allow us to go back somehow and, 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 and go back to certain scenes and just be there and see how it all happens. I would love to have seen, open our eyes. Maybe it looks something like that. I don't know how well that's showing up on the screen That could have been like that. There's Elisha and his servant, and there's the army of Syria in front of them. But up on the hillside, all the chariots of fire and God's angels were there. You see, God pulled back the veil of the physical world and allowed Elisha's servant to see what was taking place in the spiritual world. The invisible world, the heavenly world. This is something that most people do not have the privilege of experiencing. How about you and me? So many times we act like this servant, don't we? I do. All we can see is the insurmountable odds that seem to be against us. All we can see and all that we can feel is the enemy which leaves us feeling scared and afraid. But when God opened the servant's eyes to see the odds were in their favor, all of a sudden they became mighty men. For God, mighty warriors for God. 
You see, the things that we tend to fear the most are the things that we really can't see. There's a future that you can't see. You're fearing what you have not yet experienced. There's something in your life you can't see and you're fearing it. And to you and myself this morning I pray, God, open our eyes. and Let us see what is really taking place. Open our eyes. Let us see what is really taking place. This is why God is reminding us in Ephesians 6, the 12th verse. This is why he wants us to see that the battle is in spiritual places. It's in heavenly places. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. It's against the one that is behind it all. Amen. The one who is ruling and reigning in this world. Why doesn't God allow us to peer into this world? I, I don't know. I have a hunch, though. Perhaps he knows that if if we were to see often into that spiritual world, that heavenly world, if we were to see the wars that are raging uh, uh, between Satan and his angels and God and his angels, it might scare us to death. However, let me encourage everyone here that if you and I, if, Conditional. The Bible is filled with conditional statements. If you and I are walking with the Lord in obedience and in holiness of life, then we have nothing to fear, church. For greater is He that is in us than, say it with me, He that is in the world. And if God is for us, who can be against us? I'm reminded of the old song, Open my eyes that I may see. Glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. For silently now I wait for thee, ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes, illumine me, Spirit divine. How many of you remember singing that song in church? Yeah. If we are going to win our battles against the enemy, we have got to see it. We have got to see it. In order to use the weapons that we'll begin to talk about, we must be aware of how our enemy works. I remember a being a senior at Mount Vernon Nazarene College, it's now university, but being a senior at Mount Vernon Nazarene College, and I remember one particular uh, time we were in chapel there, and during our chapel service, they made the announcement that our armed forces had just attacked Iraq. The Gulf War had just began. It was a rather surreal experience those of you who remember that, I know the war has went on for many years, but the initial surge was very quick, and the coalition forces led by the U.S. totally decimated the towns and the cities of Iraq, freeing the people of Kuwait. Some of you uh, guys in here, you'll get a, get a little kick out of this next illustration, but one of the biggest weapons in the arsenal of the U.S. military was uh, this right there, was the... F-117A fighter. 
Its biggest advantage was it had stealth capability. Interesting that it had been in service for over six years before anyone even knew it existed. (laughs) It was designed to be virtually invisible to radar because most of the external surface was coated with a radar-absorbent material, making it practically invisible to the enemy. Combined with extremely accurate laser-guided bombs and missiles, the F-117 was a very lethal weapon in the hands of the coalition. This fighter allowed the U.S. to fly into the heart of Iraq with cities such as Baghdad never even knowing what hit them until it was too late. These fighters delivered total destruction with no advanced warning. And that got me to thinking. We talked about this on Wednesday before. Church, I need to remind you that oftentimes Satan uses stealth technology to attack the church. He uses stealth to ambush us and to attack us. As we we talked about last week, Without warning, he attacks our passion. He attacks our focus. He will attack our identities, our families, our confidence, our calling. He will tempt and attack our purity. He will attack us trying to get rest and contentment in life. He will attack our heart. He will attack our relationships. He will tempt us to get physically and mentally exhausted to the point that we take it out on those that we love the most. Then, after the dust settles and we find ourselves sitting in the middle of the rubble, in the middle of the destruction that is all around us, we realize we've just been hit. Listen, before I launch into a study on the actual weapons at our disposal, I think it's vitally important that we understand what we're getting ourselves into, church, because this is war. This is war. This is not a message for the faint of heart, but if you're willing to go into it, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's a couple of verses. This won't be a very long message. I'm close to being done. Are you sitting down for that? Close to being done. I think you would have to admit that if we were all open with each other, if we were all able to go around one by one and just kind of open up, we would have to say he does use stealth. He will hit us. And before we even knew what happened, we're wobbling. Where did this come from? What's happened? He uses all kinds of things trying to defeat us. There are some verses, though, that we need to remember. Stay alert. First Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm, looking, excuse me, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Isn't that an interesting statement? Remember that. Elijah thought that he was all alone. Fighting the battle all alone. And God said, no, there's thousands who have not yet bowed the knee to them. You have not yet bowed the knee. Remember, there are those. You're not the only one going through things. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. 
And then Ephesians just told us, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. We must be alert and on guard, not taken by surprise when the enemy tries to hit us by stealth. Watch out. He plays dirty. There are no rules with him. All the rules are thrown out with him. His attacks are always wrapped in pretty packages of deception, always trying to manipulate what is true, always trying to deceive us on what God's Word really says. If you remember in the garden when Satan was tempting Eve, she told Satan exactly what God had told her. And Satan said, did he really say that? See, we need to know our word. We need to know what the word of God tells us, because if we don't know the word, then we will not be able to stand against the enemy. We'll fall. We talked about a couple weeks. If you don't know what you stand for, you'll fall for anything. We need to know the word, church. Know the word. You see, Satan is trying everything he can to lure us away from God. See, this is what he's trying to do. He starts small. He starts, starts soft, trying to lure us away from God. He'll even try dividing us from within. Often he will tempt us to flirt with sin. And then maybe, just maybe, eventually we'll give in to sin, which will break the fellowship that we have with God. And when our fellowship with God is broken, then we no longer have the ability to fend off his attack. Our ability, our our power, and our strength is cut off because He knows that we get our power, we get our strength from Him. Now we're in a weakened state. Now we're very vulnerable, we're very susceptible to His plans to attack us. See, this is what Satan's trying to do. This is why he chooses to remain invisible This is why he chooses to use stealth. Oh God, open our eyes. Open our eyes, God. What are you facing right now that's causing the most havoc in your life? Don't think for one minute, church, that Satan isn't trying to use it. The temptations that you are facing are no accidents. The discord and the disharmony that threatens relationships is not coincidental. None of these things are taking place just by happenstance. Satan is strategically using them to destroy you and rob you of your abundant life. We, we, uh, just, we're in awe over things like that fighter, the F-117, and we're in awe over what man is able to do. But they are no match for the war that is play, taking place in the spiritual realms in the heavenly places. Only those weapons that are divinely sanctioned by God himself will work in the invisible and unseen realm. Let me leave you this morning encouraging you that we indeed, though, can be victorious. We can be victorious. We can be victorious in the battles that are waged in the heavenly realms. 
And I love this verse right here. Claim this verse. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We're going to continue pursuing the weapons that are in Ephesians 6. But I just want to highlight once again the war that we're in. Remember that we are in the ultimate wrestling match. And it's a battle that only can be won with the weapons that God has given us. And remember what powers our weapons, what energizes our weapons. Prayer. 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 It all comes back to prayer. In the coming days, though, I pray that you will use what we've talked about on Wednesdays. You will use what we've talked about on Sundays. Use it to empower you to start taking back what the enemy has taken from you. We're going to sing that old song. I believe it's page 271. Dick, do you want to come on up and lead us in it? If it's not 271, I think it's 271. Open our eyes that I might see. Realize, church, we're in a wrestling match. Is that right? 271. Would you stand, please? Would you pray with me, though, before we sing? Jesus, May we take this to heart. God, may we not just leave today and we've done a lot in the service. We've focused on the children. We have focused on our country. We've focused on you and communion and we've sang songs of praise and recognized those who are going to a new chapter of their life and have accomplished much. God, how interesting on the weekend of Memorial Day that we're talking about war. May we realize our enemy. May we know our enemy. May we know where he is, know his tactics, know what he tries to do. And may we always try and stay one step ahead by being in your word and by using the weapons you've given us. Father God, may we not just leave here casually today, Mm. but would you open our eyes. Mm -hmm. Help us to see what you want us to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.